You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. You see, at the beginning of the year, we started uh, the year 2018 with In Christ to live lives that would honor God and make disciples. But as we live life, as we honor God and make disciples, we also know that we encounter oppositions. We also know that we encounter difficulties. We also know that there are things that are working against us. That's why as we prepare for our prayer and fasting this mid-year, we will be talking about the full armor of God. You see, when you talk about the full armor of God, the whole armor of God, we can't help but recall the writings of St. Paul, Apostle Paul, in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Nothing else or nowhere else in Scripture, well, you have Isaiah, but nothing else in Scripture that would describe the full weaponry, the full armor of God, except in the writing of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6. See, the Apostle, as he gave his life for the gospel, he encountered persecutions, he encountered problems through men and even through uh, worldly systems that are against the advancement of the gospel. But he knew and he understood that there is a greater, a more sinister force that is against the proclamation of the gospel. There is an enemy opposing the purposes of God in us and through us. We have a spiritual enemy. So today, we'll be talking about the full armor of God. We'll be talking about spiritual warfare. And the Apostle Paul describes our enemy as cosmic powers of darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Just take a look at this verse found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. It's not yet our main verse, but I'd like for us to read this. Let's read all together. Ready? Let's read. When you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. The Apostle Paul identified the enemy, the struggles that we face. First, the world. Worldly systems. Next, the flesh, fleshly desires. But underneath it is a spiritual enemy. The worldly systems, fleshly desires, and of course, the devil. Diabolos, Satan. The devil is also known with many other uh, titles and names. One is the accuser of the brethren. So that is his role when, when he gets up in the morning. That is his role. He would accuse us before God. He will release condemnation against the church. Satan is also known as Lucifer, a mighty angel that was cast out of heaven. He led the rebellion because of his pride, led the rebellion against God. And that is his work until now, until today. Satan is sowing seeds in the hearts of men, even sowing a movement in this world to rebel against God. He is also known Satan, the tempter, the murderer, the liar. You see, the accuser always speaks against us day and night, against the church. And see, these are the voices that we hear. The voice of the world, the voice of our own fleshly desires, and also the voice of Satan, the devil. But today, we will hear what God has to say. Today, we will hear the voice of God. Is that okay? 
We'll allow God to speak to our hearts through the preaching of His Word. I would like to invite you all to stand as we read our main text this morning found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that extent, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let us all pray. Father, thank you, Lord God, for this wonderful time together. Lord, thank you, Lord God, for your presence is with us. Your power is with us. Your victory is with us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, speak to our hearts. Bless the preaching of your word. Bless your church and let your name be glorified. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, God is doing an amazing thing in us, right? Amen? God is doing an amazing thing in each and every one of us. God is amazing in you. You see, you were not like this before. Do you agree? You were not like this before. But because of the amazing work of Jesus Christ in our hearts, amazing work, amazing love, amazing mercy, amazing forgiveness upon our lives, we are not the same anymore. And we will continue to experience God's amazing grace in us and through us. And as we see God moving in our midst, we planted Las Piñas two years ago. Last year, we planted a church in Sukat. In just six months, we planted Bikutan. And today, we transferred to SM. Amazing work, right? But it all really is coming from the Lord. We dare not put credits or merits on our own flesh or our own giftings, competencies, strategies, methods. No way. It is really through the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Amen? And so what we started on as seeking God at the beginning of the year, really trusting the Lord, seeking His heart and acknowledging that He is God, He is Lord, we continue today. As we prepare for prayer and fasting on Tuesday, we will be talking about putting on the whole armor of God. In Ephesians chapter 10 to 20, our main verse that we just read, we'll be looking at these things. The current reality of spiritual war. We know that there is opposition to God's purpose in us and through us. We know that there is opposition to God's work. Number two, we will also look at the command of the Lord to His church. You see, the church is not just a nursery. Amen? The church is an army. The church is an army, not just a nursery. God is not just concerned of taking care of babies, although He's concerned with that, but God is concerned of raising up an army. 
and that's you, and that's me. And he says, my church will advance. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God will do mighty things in us and also through us. Number three, we'll look at the church commission as we discuss God's word, as we talk about God's word this morning. So let's go ahead with point number one, the current reality of spiritual war. There is a reality of the spiritual realm. You see, the church would fall into error on two things. The first error is to underestimate or neglect the spiritual realm. An error would say, we'll be too materialistic, we'll be too humanistic, that when we do engage the gospel, we're just relying on a method, we're just relying on just material, but we forget to pray. When we do one-to-one, there is prayer involved, amen? Because it is God who will touch hearts and transform lives. And when you pray for that person, as you meet this person in one-to-one, you're asking the help and the power and the presence of God. So there must be a healthy tension between underestimating and overemphasizing the spiritual realm. One mistake, again, is underestimating, and another mistake is overemphasizing that everything is about demons, everything is about the devil. We can fall into the trap of being demon-centered instead of being Christ-centered, right? So we must strike a healthy balance. But truth be told, there is an enemy that is out there to stop us. This enemy has been holding us back. This enemy has keeping us down from the purposes of God and the destiny of God for our lives. God has a wonderful plan for us. But see, we have an opposition. It's keeping us down, holding us back from pursuing God's wonderful, perfect will for us. In verse 11, it says this, the instruction, put on the whole armor of God. And it says why? That you may be able to stand against the scheme of the devil. Devil is referring to Satan himself. Satan has demons, but the devil is Satan himself. In fact, Satan has a title, the prince of demons. Prince meaning the first of all demons. The first who rebelled against God. The first who mounted up an assault against the holy God. And he continues his work today, causing people, even the church, to rebel against God. He is at work in the sons of disobedience. He is the enemy of the church, the enemy of the gospel, the enemy of God. We were once enemies of God, Scripture says, but now we are friends of God. As we are friends of God, we are enemies of the devil. But if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The word says, it is us. Someone said, you see, the enemy is like a roaring lion, but he does not have teeth. Some say he's defanged. But you see, where is that in Scripture? I don't see that in Scripture. Scripture says he is a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Be alert. Be sober-minded. There is an enemy out there. And he's out to get anyone who would fall into his temptation, who would fall into his schemes. That's why Jesus, when he taught his disciples how to pray, the disciples went to Jesus, right? He says, Jesus, teach us how to pray. 
And Jesus shared to them or taught them the Lord's Prayer, right? When you pray, pray this way. Say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, at the end of Jesus' prayer, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, He says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's the Lord Jesus Christ saying to His disciples. It's the Lord Jesus Christ teaching His church teaching his early disciples to pray. Pray this way. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. In ESV, it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In the New King James, do not lead us unto, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. From the evil one. From Satan. From the devil. From his schemes. Deliver us, Lord, from the evil one. There are booby traps laid before us. There's snares that would entangle us. And the Lord Jesus Christ taught his disciples, when you pray, pray this way. Deliver us from the evil one. Why? Can you ask me why? Convincing. <laughs> why? In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic power over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We have an adversary. We had an opponent. We have opposition against you, against me, against your family, against my family, against your career, against your business, against your health, against the purposes and plans of God for us, and through us. And it says there, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So if you think you have an enemy, if you think there's somebody or someone that is against you, that is opposing the work of God in your life and the work of God through your life from advancing the kingdom, if it's flesh and blood, that's not your enemy. If it's flesh and blood, that's not our enemy. Our enemy, we are against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of this present darkness against spiritual forces can you imagine that spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places that's where the battle is waged and that is where the battle is won before any victory manifests in the physical it needs to be won first in the spiritual so we need to be praying. We need to be calling out. We need to be depending on God. We need to be asking God for His strength and His might. Because we can't fight this battle on our own. We can't fight this battle on our own flesh or on our own skills or our own talents or our own competencies or our own experiences. We can't depend, rely on our own. But we will have to depend on the Lord. Amen? In Jesus, we have our victory. I want to show you a verse in John chapter 10, verse 10. Just one verse. But we see two purposes, two schemes, two plans. The thief, Jesus is the one speaking here. The thief comes only, say with me, only. There is no other reason. There is no other purpose. There is no other motive. The thief, the devil, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that we may have life, that you may have life, that we may have life and have it more abundantly. In this particular verse, just one verse, two purposes. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He has a plan against the church. He has a plan against you. 
He has a plan against your children. He has a plan against your family. He has a plan against your career. He has a plan against your health. He has a plan against you, against us. But praise be to God. For Jesus also has a plan. He also has a purpose. And His purpose is for us. That is to bless us with abundant life. Jesus has a plan for you. Jesus has a plan for your life. Jesus has a plan for your family. He has a plan for your children. He has a plan for your business. He has a plan for your health. Amen? God has a plan for us. That's why when we come into prayer, we are to resist the plans of Satan, his schemes to steal, kill, and destroy. Resist that. And welcome the plans of God. Lord, I know and I believe. I put my faith in you that your will for me is good, pleasing, and perfect. That your plans for me are, is, is to prosper me, not to harm me. So I say no to the schemes of darkness. And I say yes to your plans to give us life, life to the full. For me, for my family, for my business, for my career. God has a plan to bless us. Let me personalize this. God has a plan to bless you. And God's plan is to bless you more abundantly, that you continue to be a blessing to the people around you that would give glory and honor to God. Amen? That's the plan of God. Can you welcome God's plan? Say, Lord, thank you that this is your plan. Stand guard. Watch. Be sober. Be alert. Pray. For the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The current reality of spiritual warfare. Point number two, the command of the Lord to His church. The command of the Lord to each and every believer, every, each and every son and each and every daughter, each and every child of God. This is the command of the Lord. Verse 11, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. And the Word of God is saying, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Having our strength founded anchored on the Lord, having a dependency on God. You see, no matter how blessed we are, no matter how strong we are financially, relationally, physically, no matter how many blessings we receive, the blessings of the Lord is not for us to be independent of God, but the blessings of the Lord is for us to continue to acknowledge God and give Him praise. We will never outgrow our dependency on God, no matter how blessed we are. How's your work? Oh, I'm so blessed. I'm so abundant. How's your relationship? Oh, we're so blessed. How's your health? I'm in tip-top shape. No matter how blessed we are, the blessings of God is never for us to be independent of God, but for us to continue to acknowledge that every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. That we will continue to glorify Him. We will continue to worship Him. We will continue to depend on Him, giving praise, acknowledging that God, He is good. That God blesses us and blesses us abundantly for His glory and for you and me to continue to be a blessing to many, many people. It's amazing that God would bless us because we know and believe that God is blessing us not because we are good, but God is blessing us because God, He is good. He is a good God. The reason why we worship, the reason why we give Him praise, because He is good, faithful, loving God, Heavenly Father. You see, being strong in the Lord, finding strength in the power of His might, not in our own strength, not in our own might, but on His strength, on His might, is a continuous thing. 
it's not just a one-time event. It's going to be a lifestyle, a lifestyle of depending on God, a lifestyle of putting hope in the Lord, a lifestyle of putting trust away from ourselves and trusting in the goodness of God, putting trust away from what we think we can produce for ourselves, but putting our trust in the Lord. And as we receive blessings from God, we know and believe that that blessing is coming from God. Full dependence on God. You see, the devil will put a wedge between us and God. He will put a wedge right there. And if you allow him to put that wedge, that gap will widen and will increase. The lie of the devil is this, that you can live independently from God. You have no time to pray, no time to read the Bible, no time for things of God. Why? Kaya ko na to, discard ko na to, Lord. Trusting in our own abilities, competencies, experiences is an, a wedge that can be placed in our hearts. That is a scheme of darkness, the scheme of Satan. You see, the power of Satan is in the lie. Deception. The power of Satan is in the lie, but the power of God is in the truth. We shall know the truth, and the truth shall set us free. Amen? That God is truth, that He is trustworthy, and we can put our trust in Him. Depend on God. Stand on His strength alone and in the power of His might alone. Let us not be deceived in trusting our own selves. Let us not be deceived in trusting our own wisdom. Let us not be deceived in being wise in our own eyes. But really asking the Lord, Lord, guide me, help me. Without you, I can't do anything. And God is our ever-present help. Ever-present help in times of need. Be strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. Put on. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. It is a command. Put on. He speaks to his church. He speaks to us today. He's saying to his people, put on the full armor of God. As Apostle Paul was writing his letter to the Ephesians, what he's seeing as a model is the Roman centurions, Roman army. And so he's saying, Put on the full armor of God. As he sees this soldier, he is fully protected from his head to his feet. A complete armor of that soldier is likened to the full armor of God. Put on the full, the whole armor of God. And we say, why? Why? Why do we need to do this? Why do I need to put on the full armor of God? Well, the reason is right there. That you may be able to stand. That we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We are to stand in the strength of the Lord and in the power of His might. Let's look at the full armor of God as written in Ephesians. It says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. The belt of truth is having a clear understanding of God's Word. God's Word is truth. And like a soldier, that belt holds the whole armor together. Pagulang belt, walang armor. That belt of truth holds the whole armor together. A soldier, the Roman soldier, will put on his belt when he goes to war, when he goes to battle. And the apostle is saying, put on the belt of truth. Why? Because you are in a battle. You might not be aware of it. Put on the belt of truth. It would hold the whole armor together. John chapter 8, verse 32 says this, and you will know the truth, and the truth will 
will set you free. Next, stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The second piece of the armor is the breastplate of righteousness. It talks about the obedience to the word. If the belt of truth is the word of God, righteousness is a result. Say me, result. Righteousness is a result of the obedience. Abraham obeyed God and was counted to him as righteousness. He believed God and he obeyed God and was counted to him as righteousness. You see, Jesus is our righteousness. He became the Lamb of God that takes away our sins and our disobedience and our rebellion. He took away our rebellion and sin and gave us His righteousness, imputed righteousness. And as people of the Lord, righteous in His eyes because of the blood of Jesus Christ, put on the breastplate of righteousness. It protects the heart, protects our heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. We are righteous not because of what we did. We are righteous because of what God did for us. That is amazing. To stand before the presence of a holy God in worship, to stand before His presence is only done because it's only made available to us, afforded to us because of the blood shed on the cross by Jesus Christ. Next, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. This is our faithful ministry, the church faithful ministry of proclaiming the word of God. In our context here in Alabang, we expanded. Pwede naman hindi mag-expand eh. Pwede naman hindi mag-church plant. But we obeyed the word of God. We started a church plant in, in Las Pinas and then now in Paranaque. And we're praying. Next year, it's going to be San Pedro. And that's just the context here. But beyond this is we're sending out missionaries, India. And as we see how God moved in the nation of Laos, and it's just that. It's just proclaiming the gospel of peace, proclaiming the word of God. That is our mandate. That is your mandate. Each and every one of us. You see, the message of the gospel, say with me, gospel. The message of the gospel was not given to the angels. Think about that. The message of the gospel, the power of God unto salvation, the power of God to touch hearts, transform lives, the power of God to set captives free was not given to the angels. It was given to His children. It was entrusted to His sons and to His daughters. It was entrusted to you and to me. We hold in our hearts the message of the gospel that can transform lives. And we go out there having our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. In Romans chapter 10, verse 15, it says, As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. To bring good news. I was just so touched by that video in Laos, that missions update. First time I, heard, I saw that video, he says, I don't know Jesus. I grew up in a Buddhist country. I don't even know the name Jesus. Can you imagine that? But you and I, we know that Jesus is our Lord, Savior, and King, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He is our King of all kings and Lord of all lords. And people need to hear the good news that there is 
forgiveness. There is salvation. There is redemption. There is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. They need to hear that. God did not give that message to His angels, but He gave that to you and to me. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise for that. Who are we to carry such a message? But He entrusted that to you and to me. Having the shield of faith, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. If God would just give us spiritual eyes to see, maybe we can have a glimpse of how narrow the path that we are walking on. We can catch a glimpse of how many arrows are headed our way. Because of His mercy and because of His grace, we are protected from the arrows of the enemy. But he's saying, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. Extinguish the darts of disappointment, the darts of discouragement, the darts of deception. We need to take up the shield of faith. This represents the complete safety under the blood of Jesus Christ where no power of the enemy can penetrate. Shield of faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We want to have faith. We want to have a shield of faith. For every discouragement, for every doubt, for every lie, for every deception, for every false report that comes our way. All the flaming arrows of the enemy. We need to have a shield of faith. Imagine walking into battle. So you're part of the 300. Ahu! Ahu! You're walking. You're part of the 300. And you don't have your shield. Where did I put my shield? Where did I put my shield? Can I borrow your shield? Can I hide with your shield? There's no shield. We need the shield of faith. And faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. I wish there was another source. I wish we could just buy the shield of faith in all home or, you know, buy it from there. But no, faith comes from hearing, hearing the Word of God. My friends, I love you enough to say that we need to be in the Word of God. I love you enough to say that we should be reading God's Word. We should be meditating God's Word and really embracing and treasuring the Word of God in our hearts. It will be a shield upon our hearts each time we face discouragement, each time we face the lies and the deception of the enemy. That shield will extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is really to protect our minds, really. Uh, the truth is deposited upon our minds. And you see, what we know determines how we feel. And what we feel determines how we behave. It has an impact on what we know to how we live life. So if there's going to be a change of life, a life that would dishonor God, a life that would rebel against God, then that seed that will be planted will be upon our heads, upon our minds. And we need the helmet of Salvation. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, His good and acceptable and perfect. Moving on, the heaven of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sixth component of the armor is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, all components so far of the armor of God, the whole armor of God, are defensive to protect us. 
only the sword of the Spirit is offensive. Now, Jesus also used the Word of God when He was tempted in the wilderness. Well, Matthew chapter 3, He got baptized. After baptism, He was led to the wilderness and He was tested by the devil. It was the devil and Jesus one-on-one in that wilderness. And as the devil would throw in the lies or throw in deception, Jesus used the Word of the Spirit, the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. He says, man shall not live by bread alone. You shall not test the Lord your God. You shall only serve God, love God and serve Him only. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. We're taking some time here so that we can understand that each component of what we are saying is really vital or else the apostle will not have said this. In the reality of spiritual warfare, in the understanding of the massive onslaught of the enemy against the church, against us, he goes into detail to take up the whole armor of God. Belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Dressed in the full armor of God, we are able to stand against every attack of the enemy. What's beautiful about this armor, really, is that this armor represents Jesus Christ. He is the truth. He is our righteousness. He is our peace. He is our salvation. As we put on the whole armor, we're putting on Jesus Christ and finding our identity, finding our authority in Christ and in Christ alone. Taking our stand in Christ, standing in His truth and in His strength and in the power of His might. Christ overcome our adversity. Christ has overcome our opponent. Amen? That's why in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it says, having disarmed the powers and authorities. Remember, the apostle Paul says, for our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against powers and authorities and rulers. Jesus, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In Christ, we have the victory. We are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. God has placed us in victory. Amen? All across this room now, lift up your hands before the Lord. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we stand in your truth and in the power of your might. Lord, we put no dependency on ourselves. We stand, I stand in your truth. I stand in your strength and the power of your might. Lord, I put on, we put on the whole armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In you, Lord, we have the victory. Thank you, Lord, that we are overcomers and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we have a shout of victory? Come on! We're about to end. The church commission. As we take our stand, we also receive our marching orders. He says, pray at all times. Pray at all times. With all prayers and supplication." with all perseverance, and for all the saints. Four times it mentions all. Pray at all times. Not sometimes, but all times. Say with me, all times. The thing is, we don't pray all times. We just pray sometimes. 
But the Bible says, pray at all times. You see, D.L. Moody says, when a man has no strength, if he leans on God, he becomes powerful. Many times, the strength that we need to stand comes from the time that we are kneeling down. The strength that we need to stand against the schemes of darkness is dependent on the time that we are kneeling down. Pray the hardest when it's hardest to pray. Pray the hardest when it's hardest to pray. You see, we need strength from within. True strength, true strength comes from inside out. We want to be victorious on the outside. We want to be victorious on the outside, our careers, our families, our what have we, right? If we want to be victorious on the outside, we need to be victorious on the inside. We need to be strengthened from inside out. James chapter 5, verse 16, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That's why in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9 to 20, the Apostle Paul also says this, and also pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And we will land here. The whole idea, concept, behind spiritual warfare, behind putting on the armor of God, is for the purposes of God in us and also through us. It is for the proclamation of the gospel that the church could continue to advance that you and I will continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to where it is needed the most. The reason why we have to engage spiritual warfare is because of the souls of those people who do not even know Jesus Christ. We need to tell them, we need to proclaim, we need to announce, we need to declare there is hope, there is salvation, there is deliverance, there is forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. And that mandate, again, is given to you and to me. Matthew chapter 28 says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of age. Our marching order as we put on the whole armor of God, it's not just for us to stand in defense, but the word of God says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is for offense and advancement of the kingdom of God. Amen? Again, God is not just taking care of a nursery. God is building His army. And that is you and that is me. In Christ, we have our strongest armor and our greatest victory. We stand upon His strength and in the power of His might. Thank you, Lord, for Your Word. Thank you, Lord God, for Your instruction for us today. Thank you, Lord God, that You have given us strength, power that is divine, power that does not come from food or rest or from anything else, but power that is coming from Your Holy Spirit at work in us. You have a purpose. You have a plan. You have a mandate for each and every one of us. And Lord, we say yes to Your will. We say yes to Your mandate. Use us, Lord. 
for the glory of your name. Use each and every one of us, Lord. Use the work of our hands. Bless the work of our hands for your glory. Father, even right now, we receive the mandates to honor you and to make disciples. In our heart of hearts, we will find strength not on our own selves, but we will find strength in you. Lord, help us to live lives that we give glory unto you. Again, Lord, our heart's cry is to honor you. Not just on a Sunday, but on every day of our lives. To honor you and to make disciples. To share them. To share to them the good news. To help people follow Jesus. Lord, thank you. Lord, here we are. Here I am. Lord, I march under your command, Lord. And each step of the way, Lord, you will be with us, Lord. Lord, enable us to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to restore sight to the blind, and to declare the favorable year of the Lord. Here I am. Send me. This is my heart's, this is our heart's prayer, our heart's desire. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Anoint your people. Anoint your army. Even as we prepare for prayer and fasting, Lord, you will stir up our hearts for the nations. You will stir up our hearts, Lord, for our communities. You will stir up our hearts even for this nation. Thank you, Lord. Even right now. Is it okay we pray for the nation real quick? Father, in Jesus' name, we lift up our nation unto you. Lord, we pray that your gospel would spread from the north to the south, from the west to the east. Lord, in Luzon, Visayas, Mindanao, we are praying, Lord God. And Lord, thank you that you're able to do this through your church, Lord. The manifold wisdom of God will be proclaimed through the church. And Lord, thank you, Lord God, that you're doing a mighty work upon our nation. Oh, we give you glory. Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. Pinagpala ang bayan na ang Diyos ay ang Panginoon. Ito po ang aming dinideklara. Ito ang sangot na langit ng iyong church dito, Lord. We declare, your kingdom come, your will be done, Lord.